the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. It's me, Brian, and this is Architect, a conversation with architects and the AV industry, where we talk about best practices, new technology, and trends, along with common hurdles we have to overcome when helping our end users with their projects. Joining me today is Kent Wagster, principal at HDA Architects, uh, focusing on multifamily and senior living. Welcome, Kent. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me here today. Also joining us is Zach Rinderneck with Axis Communications. Hello, Zach. How are you today, Brian? I'm doing well. So the focus of today's conversation is senior living. Um, these, these places are growing and popping up everywhere. Uh, we, we tend to blame it on the boomers aging and uh, moving out of their large homes. But I know that in my community specifically, that these are really showing up on every corner, every empty field. They're almost like car washes and, uh, and, and uh, you know, Walgreens and CVSs. So with this great expansion of them, and I think they're becoming more pleasant, you know, that, that stereotypical senior living that we all grew up with, uh, the terrible, you know, 80s and the 90s where you were parking mom or dad or grandma or grandpa you know, we're, we're trying to make it to where it's more of a livable location. And I know personally, uh, when we uh, moved my father-in-law into one, we, my wife and I were going around and visiting a lot of them. And there are some of those that are still behind the times, but there are some that uh, quite honestly, I would move into, you know, they, they have, you have your own apartments, you have this community space. Um, but specifically, there are some really um, hidden needs when it comes to the technology of these spaces and, and their design, you know, cause you have people that are still driving and independent living. And then you have people that need more specific care. You have the dementia wings. I, I'm hoping that's the proper term for that, but you have, you have the memory, uh, care part to where you have to be able to ramp up and support those people as, as they live there. Um, Kent, how, how is that to work through, when you're designing a space and, and, and working with the end users and their limitations? It's just getting a feel for what the client's needs are and really defining, you know, multiple, multiple projects. It's really defining what kind of amenities they want and, and starting off the projects so we can start programming that way. And then kind of leads into, like you said, you know, we've done facilities. I've worked on facilities. We've done bowling alleys to indoor pools, outdoor pools. Uh, bars, you know, always the food is a big issue um, and very focal point to this, the residents. Um, and these facilities are growing and growing in size because uh, a lot of the operators want that continuum care from, as you mentioned, Brian, they want the residents to come in at a certain age as independent living. Uh, they're free to go, come and stay, but we still want to give them the sense of security, sense of you know uh, safety, and those facilities as they grow through uh, their population or their aging po process, 
from the assisted living to, you know, which is a moderate care of 24 hours where they loved ones need, you know, minimum care uh, during the time if it's medicine, meals, things like that, to the full service uh, care centers, which are 24 continuum care. Um, these facilities do take a lot of um, operations, uh, employees, and, and introducing technology uh, into these facilities. Uh, it goes down from, you know, like we said earlier, as I said earlier about the sense of safety, you know, then we got the sense of uh, controlling, you know, their health, wellness, uh, and things in that nature. Uh, and it goes down to the high level of technology the operator is willing to absorb and be able to, to function through their day-to-day -day operation. So. But I think part of that too has to be entertainment for the people that are living there, right? Because it needs to be someplace that someone wants to live or someone, someplace where someone wants to take a family member to live. Um, and, and they feel comfortable and, and not only do the residents feel comfortable, but so do the family members that, you know, are, are still caring for that, that resident. Very, very true. Social aspect is a, a very good point of their day-to-day, -day, you know, lifestyle too. Yeah, I know. I know cards, uh, right? Uh, playing, having room to play euchre or hearts, or um, I, I, I joke with my kids about when they get older, living in those facilities, are they going to be playing Pokemon? You know, because you know they don't play euchre and hearts anymore. But they'll, you'll have these eighty-year-old, ninety-year-old people playing around with their Pokemon decks. <laughs> Yeah, we, we try to design uh, lounges or spaces where it's not a far walk for the residents to go to, uh, and they kind of kind of meet in their household, you know, and meet their neighbors. And like you said, they play cards, you know, games, dominoes. They even do special events there, birthday parties. Um, so we try to give them the most flexible spaces and the largest amount of spaces that we can uh, to accommodate their needs. And some of those needs, um, and you know, I don't want to take us completely down this path because there's a lot of cool technology that that is being used in these types of facilities. But but one of them, as we've mentioned a couple of times, is you know security, and and partially because you know you don't have uh, a lot of staff available now to maybe watch people all the time, twenty four seven in person. So you need to have some of that technology to support that. And, and that's where, you know, Zach and, and companies like his can come in and help take some of that load to or, or, or help you stretch your your facility, your your staff in ways. Um, I know in hospitals, the nurses are all wearing their nurse call system so that they can coordinate with each other quickly and in real time while still doing their job. You know, it, it amazes me how much better that uh, voice command is where, you know, you, you push the button and you say, uh, call Brian, hide Gherkin, and then it immediately calls, but I can't get my car to call my kids because it, it doesn't recognize their name. For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, in the uh, the healthcare space, some of those technologies that you're thinking about can really help with the staffing issues that a lot of people are seeing currently. I mean, the addition of cameras to monitor areas that uh, residents might not or should not be at a specific time. Uh, we can set cameras up to alert staff that somebody has accessed that area uh, very easily. Beyond just the standard motion detection of a normal camera, we can say that's definitely a person there. We've identified that there is a person there. So 
we need immediate attention. Um, if there's spaces that are a little more private, uh, we can also do live privacy shields. We can actually pixelate the individual, uh, their full body or just their face. And if that's something that uh, the end user would like to see a little bit more of and, uh, you know, making sure that some of those areas are secure, uh, whether it be badge pass or keypads, whatever it might be. So those some of those residents, like you mentioned, Brian, the, uh, um, the, the care, the memory care facilities, if you will, uh, those we can put pads up and, and scramble the keypad if you want and make it uh, a little little more fun to try to remember your code uh, to punch into the get through the door. I, I, I personally have a feeling that that would just require like a post-it note so that I could remember. Because I, I mean, for me personally, with those where they the numbers are in a different order every time, I get the concept behind it. But for me, you know, I remember my past codes by their patterns, you know, whether it's my ATM card or the security code to get into the office, you know, so you moving one, five, seven, and nine, the other parts of the screen would, would cause problems for me, but I could see you know, you could in theory do one, two, three, four, because it's in a different order. I don't know. Um, but, but having experienced that firsthand um, with my father-in-law, he, he had dementia and, um, but he was still, you know, he'd have his moments where he was all there. And there was a couple of times that we would get phone calls from the staff that he was able to remember or see the code someplace, or he would just sit there and, he had nothing but time on his hands and he would go through random numbers and occasionally he'd get it right. And, you know, luckily the staff was there and they, they were, they were on top of it, but I can see that being a concern for everybody involved. Kent with these locations having multi, I mean, it, it's really multiple facilities all in the same location, right? You have your, you know, where it's, it's a, an apartment with minimal needs all the way up to full-time care. So how does or does the technology change at all in those different locations? Uh, we try to have a sense of, uh, you know, the independent living. They're just wanting that sense of security, sense of safety. You know, as they're there, we still kind of look at that controlling the access as, as far as the entry doors, things in that nature, as Zach mentioned, cameras, uh, you know, just a sense of security of their residents and their feel for their loved ones. And as you grow into the continuum care, our sense of security aspects and technology will grow um, as far as uh, we'll kind of lock down doors, um, controlled access at the front, uh, containing that for an auto visual you know, communication to a security point. And then you have all the security aspects of where that goes. Uh, and then as you dive into the wings, as far as you mentioned, Brian, about the memory care, dementia, uh, it, that perspective goes back to the end operator. Uh, some memory care facilities are very, um, they don't want the full-fledged dementia just from an operation standpoint, or they go to that full-fledged dementia. And that, that is a full-fledged lockdown wing, uh, which we try to work through with the operations as far as what levels of doors, where at, uh, alarms, things in that nature. And it gets into other technology as far as protecting those residents that do wander. Uh, there's wander guard systems, uh, even getting into overall system, um, controlling that wing 
or even getting into an individual, um, basically wander guard system on that individual um, or a wheelchair or something like that, just to be able to track them from a GPS standpoint or things in that nature. So. I, I've helped taking care of some elderly family members. And like my father was in the hospital at one point and uh, he was a wanderer. And uh, it was, I was really shocked being somebody in technology, right? I'm in a hospital, a good hospital, modern hospital, but yet they couldn't, they had to turn off the bed sensors because he kept getting out of bed, but they were okay with him being in his room. But their, their, their monitor for the, for the doorway was really um, like a magnet and then something they had picked up at the local hardware store, door alarm. And I was just kind of like sitting there thinking while I was visiting, I'm like, there's got to be a better way to, you know, because it, w- it was just, it didn't seem like it was foolproof. Um, and there, there's, there's got to be a better solution to, you know, the, the tracking where, you know, you could, if someone's wheelchair bound, you could put a tracker on their wheelchair. Um, I, I know I have some friends that have um, early onset dementia and they're, and they're finding things like the Apple um, tracker, you know, that they mm-hmm. just make sure that there's one in her purse or mm-hmm. in her hat because she rarely goes someplace without those two. And she's still there and, and, and still able to do things, but sometimes she does get confused and that kind of helps the family feel a little bit better about knowing where mom's gone because they can just pull it up and, and use an air tag. So it's amazing how that technology is helping people maybe stay out of those facilities a little bit longer, but also helping those facilities become uh, more secure uh, and a better experience for not only the residents, but the staff and the family members. Yeah. I mean, there's some of our facilities we try to design, you know, the kitchens and things like that, the assisted living. And we try to be able to lock things out, uh, give the owner, uh, the basically an operator, be able to lock down a stove uh, and just toggle it off. Just so if you're, you know, loved one starting to lose, you know, lose that little that dementia where they're not creating a burn aspect or there's sensors, motion, you know, there's alert devices that we can put on, um, on this, uh, appliances to help to give that sense of resident and the loved one that, that secure aspect of things. Sorry. Well, and that, and that I could definitely see a need for that. And again, my experience to where, you know, going over to my father-in-law's house and the hot water faucet's been running for who knows how long because he brushed his teeth or whatever and forgot to turn it off. Or uh, the stove was, you know, there's water boiling on the stove. And again, it was like, well, how long has that been boiling? You know, so having that ability to at least notify somebody or say, hey, you know, if this water's been running for at the sink for 10 minutes, maybe we should shut it off and let somebody know. Um, so what are some of the struggles, though, when you guys are designing these spaces, right? I mean, there, there's all these great features out there where you can monitor stoves, and, I mean, which I, I didn't even realize were available so, so how, how, you know, what's the struggle or is there a struggle when you're, when you're designing these out, getting them, you know, one, uh, getting the end, the customers that are going to be paying for this, you know, the owners of the properties to be aware of what's possible, what's not possible, the limitations so that they're not, they're going in, you know, with eyes wide open, but also then getting those put into the plans and, and installed so that they're operating as they're supposed to. That's a very good question, Brian. So we try to communicate with them to get a feel for how how 
high of a level they want to, to operate um, and basically start at as basically here's the baseline that we can go from as operationalize up to the higher technology. And as everything, uh, cost drives a lot of these things. So it just kind of comes into establishing and getting that budget. Um, I, my focus has been a, I really like having a GC, you know, general contractor, a part of our development of our process to be able to help identify the cost, um, to track down costs and help us work back and forth with the owner. So they have a real budget um, when we go out to the market uh, or that contractor takes it at an, uh, basically negotiated price with the, the end user and construct these facilities. But it's it really comes down to operation wise, it comes down to basically for the, the end user to understand the, the the safety things and the technology, as well as the cost. Are you finding that there are GCs that are specializing in this type of build out also, and they come in with you know that experience, or is it still something that's that's new? And, and there, there's you know some people have it do it better than others. There are GCs in our area that, that basically have specialized in this and have been done this for, have been constructing these facilities for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. So they understand basically the nuances and the ins and outs of the, the industry and also get the whole uh, facilities and the functions as they turn this facility over to the operators and, and just really help teach the, the operators how to function and live within their building as far as technology and, you know, with the newer um, aspects of code, things that we have to, to abide by. And this is like a self-serving uh, question a little bit, but what, when are you bringing on, you said you like to bring on the GC a little bit earlier. When are you bringing the rest of the, you know, the, the mechanical, electrical, you know, technology people, how early are they coming in to the process? We would like to get them in as soon as possible. It just goes into what the integrated process we would like to go through with the owner, if it's design build uh, or it's a fully engineered project. If it's fully engineered project, we'd like to have uh, the engineers with us throughout the whole process and any communication with the owner. So we're all hearing the same thing and being able to, to get that information documented and correctly integrated into the drawings. Now, as far as the design build integration, um, we basically would be looking for the contractor to be bringing their, their subcontractors in and that we'd basically be bringing them in about 50, 60% of the process of our drawings and start integrating that into our design and, and working through costs um, and systems and things of that nature. For sure. The, the earlier, the better on our side, Brian. It, uh, I, I feel that the security side of things and cameras specifically are a very last minute thought like, oh, wait, we need those. Um, what are we going to do? Or we get into a scenario where it's an older aged building and they're trying to retrofit it and put all these extra additional features in. Um, that's something that maybe we could plan a little bit earlier for. Uh, moving forward because everything, the internet of things is, is expanding greatly at this time and it's everything is either IP based or, you know, starting to go wireless and the wireless technology is great. Uh, is it extremely reliable as a hard connection? So 
running those hard connections and making sure that those infrastructures are in place early on is, I mean, put, put pen to paper before we even break ground on something is, is my philosophy. As Zach mentioned, having them on early really helps identify the spaces we need that tend to get overlooked or we start trying to cram things in other rooms that really don't fit uh, in the utility rooms. So um, having that knowledge up front really helps identify our space uh, a lot more in depth and detail. Yeah, there's always those struggles, right? Where, you know, getting sensors, pulling wire. It's amazing what some electrical companies can do, how they can get a wire in some of these locations, especially in remodels. Um, but yeah, that coordination is, is very important to make the whole process go a lot smoother. Well, I really appreciate the conversation today, guys. I, I think this was uh, enlightening. I, I know I learned a lot. I don't work a lot in, in, uh, in Kent's arena personally uh, uh, in my day-to-day uh, -day job, but it is something that I've had personal experience with, but also just being somebody that's an, interested in technology in general. I'm, I'm always uh, amazed at seeing those, you know, the sensors on the on the stove or the ability to maybe in one apartment, you lock the stove out, you know, without having to go in and physically remove it, you know, because that's kind of a, 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 a heavy handed tool for somebody. Um, and sometimes the dementia person have, you know, someone suffering from that, having the stove still there, even though they can't use it, it's still something that they can fiddle with or, you know, but doing it in a safe way is is pretty cool idea to me but I, again i probably shouldn't be designing these places uh this has been again thanks a lot uh kent um appreciate your time if people wanted to reach out to you or hda uh what's the best way to do that yeah you can reach out to me as kent waxter uh, my number is 314-530-7266 or you can shoot me an email at k-w-a-g-s-t-e-r at hdai.com. I, Brian, I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure having a discussion with you and Zach here this morning. Yeah, we're going to have to definitely do this again and get into that multifamily uh, arena because there's a lot going on there too. Uh, Zach, again, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. If people need to get a hold of you or want to reach out, what's the best way? Yeah, our website is uh, access.com, so AXIS.com. Uh, you can reach me personally at uh, ZACR at access.com, um, or feel free to call me 319-361-4442. Awesome. Thank you again both for joining me. And to those of you listening or watching out there, uh, if there's a topic or somebody you'd like us to talk to, you know, throw something in the comments, reach out to me. Uh, my email address is Brian H B R I A N H at CTI.com. Uh, pretty easy to remember, but yeah, always looking for new show ideas and new guests. So reach out. And again, thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.